All right, Father God, thank you so much for tonight, um, God, as we jump into this really um, kind of very dramatic couple chapters of Revelation. God, I pray that you guide us through. Um, God, we know that um, our heartbeat is not just for um, this to be something where we, we, we are a part of to just get knowledge, Lord, but we want to grow closer to you. And so guide us in that pursuit. Um, thanks for everybody that's here tonight. And for those who are listening in, Jesus' name, amen. So one of the big themes of um, Revelation so far has been the kingdom of God kind of verse, versus the kingdom of the world. We got, it, we got into that last week. And um, well, I'm going to do two chapters tonight, Revelation 12 and Revelation 13. But we're essentially going to go through the whole story of the Bible in two, chap- in two chapters of the Bible. So that's kind of how this is going to work. Um, so we talked, we've talked about um, a few times through the course of this study, um, the idea of Revelation being an apocalypse. Can we kind of get a recap? Like, what are we talking about when we say it's an apocalypse? Ding. My, my apologies. No, you're good. What's, what's, an, what's, an, what's, an, what's a, biblically speaking, what's an apocalypse? <laughs> well, what is what what's what is implied in the word revelation? What is in, what is the root of the? Yeah, <laughs> pulling back the curtain, and we actually so we were having a conversation before some of you guys came in about kind of the kingdom of God and heaven, and that was a very long conversation, and we won't get into it for the sake of the people listening to it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but the idea that. Heaven might be a lot closer than you think. Um, and what you get in Revelation 12 and 13 is the idea that, um, first of all, I want to just, as a disclaimer, like, this is real. Like, we're going to talk about dragons and beasts and monsters, and like, this stuff's happening. It happened, and it will happen. That's, some, that's kind of the theme of Revelation is... Revelation talks about things that are happening, that are always happening, things that did happen, and things that will happen. And so it's really easy to dive into Revelation, especially Revelation 12 and 13, and treat it like you're reading like Lord of the Rings, or you're watching some movie and be like, oh, that's really cool. But what John's trying to get at is that there's there's spiritual, there's a whole spiritual realm realm happening always behind the scenes. There are things happening behind the scenes. And so um, that's kind of the perspective. So we, in a sense, we are going to go through the story of the Bible um, as we go. So I'm going to read the first six verses and we'll kind of do what we always do and kind of chunk it out here. So buckle your seatbelts. A great sign appeared. Thank you for that. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head, she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. 
The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. Okay. All right. Um, thoughts just off the jump. What do you, what do you, what do you, what's going on here? Got a red dragon and a woman in a lot of numbers. A lot of numbers. Okay. Got a red dragon with a lot of heads. It is unless it's being parodied by something or mimicked by something sinister. Um, or if you're talking about Rome, which has seven hills. Um, so that might give you a little bit of a hint what the dragon's all about, but we're going to get to that in a minute. So let's break it down first. So there's a lot happening. <laughs> let's, let's, let's introduce the characters. First of all, you got a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Any, uh, any takers on that one? 12 in the Bible always makes me think of either the 12 disciples or the 12 tribes. You're on the right track. Okay. You're definitely on the right track. It's one of those. <laughs> so, build, so building off of that, or could it be both? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the idea of... The people of God, that Jesus comes out of, Jesus was born of a lineage. If you look at Matthew 1, um, you know, there's all these different names. This person was the son of this person, all down the line. And so the woman is, represents God's people. If you think about, you know, the church is called the bride of Christ, right? Like, so again, you've got, You've got the, the bride. You've got the, this woman. Um, does anybody have a... Drew, you got a Bible close. Um, Genesis 37, 9 through 11. Can you read that real quick for me? And anybody can flip there if you'd like. But, Genesis 37. Yeah, Genesis 37, verses 9 through 11. He had another dream and told it to his brothers, saying, Look, I have had another dream. The sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him, and he said to him, What kind of dream is this that you have had? Shall we indeed come, I and your mother and your brothers, and bow to the ground before you? So his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. So what story, what Bible story is that from? It's Joseph. Yeah. And the Technicolor Green Coat. And, Sorry. and Joseph's father is Jacob, who's the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. And he's pictured as the son. And the moon's the mother. And so, so this is, again, we talk about Old Testament imagery. John's bringing in this image that the Hebrew Jewish you know, believers would have picked up on that sun, moon, and stars imagery and be like, oh, that's, that's talking about God's people. And whenever you, whenever, 
Revelation talks about Israel. Israel's essentially like we're Israel. Like we are like Christianity started as a as a Hebrew faith and grew out of that and we're grafted in. Scripture talks about that quite a bit. And so um so that happens throughout the scripture. Um you know, this Israel and this, the, the Jewish imagery. So whenever you read something that says something about Israel in, in, in here or in the rest of Revelation, like this is about you. Um, okay. So we've got a woman. She's pregnant. Okay. She's about to give birth. Curious situation for a red dragon, an enormous red dragon, in fact, to show up in heaven. Kind of interesting. Um, so we talked, um, first of all, a few weeks ago, there was something with horns. We talked about, we talked about seven. So Carter brought that up. Um, yeah, there's usually a sign of perfection, but but also can be mocked and mimicked, and we're going to see that again in 13. Um, also, there's, there is seven hills in Rome, and that's also going to be referenced here in a little bit. Rome is kind of the baddie in this whole situation. Um, ten horns. We talked about horns a couple weeks ago. Does anybody remember what a horn represents when it comes to this kind of literature? Power. A lot of power. Seven heads with ten horns, a lot of power. Seven crowns on his head, a lot of authority. His tail swept the third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. A lot of times in, again, apocalyptic language, stars are representative of angels. And that's kind of the Jewish understanding of Satan is, is he's, he's a Lucifer, an archangel, that was cast out of heaven, and we're going to get to that in a minute, actually. Um, and he took a third of the angels with him, and those are demons. And so that's kind of the picture that you see. Um, so we're going to, we're going to get to that. Um, the dragon stood in front of, so we're talking about Satan. And if you think about a dragon, it's like, well, why is it a dragon? Well, first of all, a dragon is very ferocious, but... It goes along with a theme throughout the Bible that Satan is often portrayed as either a serpent or some kind of like a reptilian beast. Is So, you know, in Genesis 3, obviously you've got Adam and Eve in the garden, you've got a serpent. Later on in, um, in the Old Testament, they talk about a Leviathan, a, a sea, a, kind of a reptilian sea creature. And that's also another description of Satan. So this is consistent with that. And red... You know, again, we talked, we've talked about it before. Red is kind of the color of Rome. That's what the Roman standards, it's a Roman color for their military. So, so what we're talking about, again, if it's the whole idea of there's a reality that you see and then a veil behind it, that you see the Roman army and the Roman empire, and they're really making life difficult for the believers. But... What John's getting at is, well, what's the power? Where does, that, where does Rome really get its power? What's, what's, behind, what's driving kind of this persecution of Christians? And it's, it's, it's clear in this that it's, it's, it's Satan. It's the devil. 
So you've got the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child. Any idea who her child might be? It's a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. Jesus. Jesus, right. Yeah, this is literally the salvation story, just in a very kind of cosmic way, um, is really what's going on here. So, and that um, will rule the nations with an iron scepter. If anybody has, can get to... um, Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. Can somebody grab that for me and read that right quick? Yeah. Psalm, Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. Okay. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with an iron, with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. So this is messianic prophecy from about a thousand years before Jesus. Now here's the thing: you could read that and be like, "Man, it sounds like Jesus is going to come in and like wreck shop," and that's what the Jews, especially the Zealots, wanted Jesus to do. It's why they were so upset with him that he wasn't overthrowing the Roman government. But he overthrew through the power behind the Roman government by dying on a cross. So it's just, it's, it's, it, it ex- expresses itself differently than, than what they expected. And that happens a lot, by the way. I think a lot of times we read scripture and we think, okay, this is how it's going to go. And God's like, well, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to accomplish it in a totally different way. So he's not going to violently just like throw down governments. He's going to throw down the power, the evil behind the government by giving his, giving his life up. So, so you've got Jesus. She gives birth to a son and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. So in those, that one verse, verse 5, you have Jesus' birth, his death, and his resurrection in one verse. That's what, that, that's what just happened. It's like, okay, that's a very efficient way to talk about the life of Jesus, but it's, that's what happens. So um, the woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. And we kind of got into the three and a half years last, last, last week. Um, and really, that's just the idea of that it, there's a symbolism again of a woman fle- fleeing into the wilderness. There's a story in the Old Testament where some people flee into the wilderness. Does anybody remember? Get that parallel. They, they go through some water Isn't first. That Moses? Yeah. Okay, because yeah. that's what I was thinking before you yeah. said water. I was like, yeah. And that's and that's and that's coming. The water part's coming. So. So there's a lot of parallels because the Exodus, we, we, again, we talked about this too in the past. The Exodus is a big deal for the Jews. It still is today. Like Passover is a huge holiday for them. And what happens after the Passover is a huge event. And so there's a lot of the way the New Testament authors wrote about what Jesus did kind of overlaying and saying, you know, just, just as God delivers the Hebrews from 
you know, the Egyptians. So Jesus delivers the bondage of his people through the cross. And so there's a lot, and it's called, if you, if you want to get really technical, it's called a new exodus um, interpretation of the New Testament, that, that Jesus is really like a new kind of Moses leading people out of slavery. This time it's not slavery to sin instead of slavery, literal bondage of being slaves. Yeah, you know, there's there's some different thoughts about it. I mean, I think where I land is just, it's just kind of like it's a period of time. It's a, it's like a it's not a never ending like this isn't going to be a never ending thing where God's people are on the run, but this is just like a short time. Again, the whole idea of the Book of Revelation is to be an encouragement, and so the idea is like whatever you're going through, you're not going to have to go through forever. Is kind of the idea. So I think that's really that like there might be more to it than that that I don't fully grasp, but. That's like the short, like Cliff Notes version. Um, so let's stop there for a second. So we just basically went through like the story of the Old Testament and the life of Jesus in um, six verses. But how does like the way this is portrayed is like there's this big good and evil conflict going on behind the scenes. How does that change how you think about like Christmas? That, you know, as Jesus is being born, there's like a bloodthirsty, you know, Satan is like trying to like get rid of him from jump. And like his whole life, he's trying to thwart this plan. And on the, you know, during his life, he's trying to thwart this plan. Like how does that coloring kind of change how you think about, you know, the life of Jesus? That there's this like spiritual conflict going on behind the scenes. What do you think? Maybe you always thought of it that way. I don't know. Well, like last week you were talking about this too, and Drew and I were actually talking about this earlier tonight, um, about how, you know, Satan is not on the same level as God and how he's just an angel and so right. he's only in one spot at one time. And right. So like how he's not necessarily working on all of us, but it's right. like during Jesus' life, like Satan was pretty focused on working yeah. on Jesus. And, you know, from tell from like what we hear here, Obviously, when um, when Satan was tempting Jesus for forty days in the desert, you know it's just like Satan was like there, and still, you know, Jesus remained pure, which is crazy because you know people give in to temptation all the time today, and so it just kind of takes Jesus's purity to another level. Well, they both knew what was at stake. I mean, we're going to get to that, and as we get into the rest of twelve and thirteen, is like Satan is very clear on what is at stake if Jesus accomplishes his mission and, and rises from the dead. Like, he's pretty screwed. He knows it. And so it's like, it's like he's doing whatever he can to stop this thing from happening, even, like, leading up to, up to Jesus being born. I mean, the Messianic prophecies had been around for a while. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's just, I think, just thinking about this whole idea of there's a spiritual conflict happening at all times. And there's a spiritual conflict happening at all times right now. Um, and prayer is powerful and effective. Um, you know, I, so this is a, I'll tell you a story real quick. This is, I, I cannot verify the validity of the story. It's, I've, it comes to me like third hand, but it's kind of interesting. 
So uh, my brother was telling me the story. So again, it was that he had talked to somebody who was at a worship conference. And I think it was in Colorado somewhere at this church. And it was a worship conference and it was like pretty crazy, you know, spirit filled people worshiping. And, and this lady comes in and she's really all like distressed. And she's like, and I don't know that she like was so loud that she like disrupted the gathering, but she grabs somebody. And she's like, what is happening here? Like, uh, we're having worship service and people are singing songs to Jesus. She's like, no, but what is happening here? And like, again, we're just doing like a, we're just doing a worship service. Like, cause there is a war on the roof of this building. And, and, and they're like, what do you mean? He's like, I was just driving by and I looked, I looked over my, I looked over at your church and there are angels and demons like battling on the roof of this building right now. Like she could, she had the ability to see it in that moment. Like there is a war happening. Like, so think about that. Like as you're in a worship gathering, as we're sitting here having this Bible study and, you know, we're trying to grow and you're getting like, distractions and like thinking about other, and I'm not trying to make you feel like guilty, but like, but no, like I think sometimes we get like, I know there's times when I sit down, even like today to prepare this, like I had so many things that came up today. Fortunately, I've taught this like multiple times. So I kind of, and I have good notes so I can kind of go off of that. But like how many times we like, we're trying to pray or we're trying to focus and we just have all these things come and ask like there's there's a war like going on around us and again i don't know that that story is is accurate if it ever happened but i i do imagine that on sunday mornings when and when we have worship anytime even when you're like trying to have your own time with jesus that there's just like a battle like happening around you so when you think about that how does that how does that make you feel to think about like there are you know like spiritual beings contending for you like on a regular basis as you're just going through your life feels weird but also not weird okay <laughs> okay can you talk more about that because like i can't see them so if you never told me that i would just live my life yeah but like it's weird because like it's like my guardian angel is what i want to think of it as sure is like our guardian angels are like, okay, these demons are coming. We got to like strategize on how to, you know, fight. I don't know. It's I just, I yeah. But it also like you have worth, you're worth fighting over. Mm-hmm. Like you are worth fighting over. I think that's something that if you take nothing else away from tonight is that your life is worth fighting, like somebody fighting over. And it's like, okay, well. That's, that's like, wow, okay, that feels kind of cool, but that also feels like a lot of responsibility, you know? But that's, I, that's what I want to paint the picture tonight as we go through. And even like, as, I mean, it, when you go to, you know, or I guess we're halfway there, right? It's the 26th. Is that, what is that what this is? 28th. I can't read these little numbers on my, because I'm old. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're more than halfway to Christmas. Like, think about this when you're at, you're at your Christmas Eve service at wherever, you know, wherever you're at, like, this year. Like, we're, you know, celebrating, obviously, but, like, there was, like, a fight. And even think about, like, King Herod trying to kill all the babies, which, again, Moses, parallel. Like, that's, 
there, that detail is in there. It really happened, but it, it kind of rhymes. Like the Bible kind of rhymes. It has these things that just keep coming back around. Life has just kind of rhymes. Like you see themes of things in our past and our history, and they kind of rear, they continue to rear their heads. Why? That's why it's important for us to understand. Yeah, it's it's just under it's important for us to understand where we came from and our and our history and how we got here. So, um, okay, we're gonna keep rolling. This is nuts. So then a war broke out in heaven. I don't know if that's a thought you ever thought you were going to have, but there is a war and you might think, well, isn't heaven like away from the thing? But don't get so caught up in like, how can heaven have a war? Imagine being in heaven during the war. Like, ah, oh, it's the worst time to be here. Well, but think about like, but is it? Because again, does Satan have any... Is it, it was, is the war ever in doubt? You know, like most time you're in a, you're like, you know, there's battles. And you're like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Like the war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan. And so there's actually by name who leads the whole earth astray and was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So I want to stop right there. That whole like kind of story of like angels having ranks and all that kind of stuff, you might say, well, where is that in the Bible? It really developed kind of between the writing of the Old Testament and the writing of the New Testament. That all of that idea of there's like Michael, and Michael's usually like the one that's named Michael and Gabriel are kind of like the two they're named a lot as like these really powerful angels. But that whole kind of idea really developed kind of, so by the time this is being written, like that's kind of generally understood. Like this is, yeah, there's angels and they have ranks and they, you know, um, but this is also, so there's, this is where there's two things happening simultaneously. And I want to get, I want to nail this before we get to 10. Because there is a telling of this in the Old Testament of originally when Satan gets thrown out of heaven. And by the way, does anybody know what the word Satan means? Don't use your study Bible, Carter. Yes, absolutely. And you're going to see him described as the accuser a lot which would have really resonated with, again, the audience of Revelation because they were being accused by the general public. Like, how come you're not going to the temple of Zeus with us? How come you're not offering sacrifices? How come you're not being a good Roman citizen? How come you're not doing this stuff? And so they were getting that. And that's, again, I think like for us, this is the super ironic thing about, um, you know, people walk away from their faith because they're like, I don't want to, you know, have to follow a bunch of rules or I don't want to have to do. But the whole like shame aspect of our faith a lot of times that we have does not come from God. It's the accuser. Like he is aptly named that, you know, when you feel like crap because of what you are not doing or, I mean, obviously there are things that God brings to mind for us to change. When you just, when you get to that point where you feel like, I am just worthless, I am just, I have no value, I, I suck, I keep getting this wrong. Like when you get into that process, that's the accuser. 
That's not from God. God is not the one making you feel like you're worthless and you don't have any value and you're never going to get this right. That's never God's voice. I just want to say that. It might be something you write and underline. Like when you are in your shame, that is never God's voice. Um, and so this, all this happens, and there's a lot of scholars that would say that there's a couple of different theories about when, when exactly did, did Lucifer get kicked out of heaven. There are some that would say it's actually way back in Genesis. It's called the, this is called the gap theory. That in between um, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happened. Because Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 2 says, now the earth was formless and, and, and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That formless and empty or formless and void in some of the translations is really the word chaos in Hebrew. That there was cha- In the beginning, God created the earth, and now the earth was chaotic. And there's some who think that there was like creation and then there was, there was before there was all this crazy stuff that happened before the rest of creation happened. I don't know enough about that to say one way or the other. Um, but I think the general thought is like, it's, it's like early. It could even be pre rest of creation. It's, it's, this is, ha- this is happening. So Satan gets kicked out of heaven, like in an ancient, 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 you know, but also, when Jesus rises from the dead, this happens again, because that's when he loses. Um, Satan loses this war that we're going to get into. Um, and we're going to get we're going to get into the more later on in the rest of this at the cross. And when Jesus dies on the cross, initially Satan thinks, "I won. He did it." He's, he's out of there. And then he rises from the dead and he goes, oh, shoot, I'm, I'm actually done. I'm out of there. So that's something that as we get into the rest, Satan knows he lost. He's coming after you because he's a sorry loser. And he wants to take as many people with him as he can because he's just that petty. But that's really why there's spiritual warfare and all that stuff going on is just Satan just like, I lost, but I'm going to take whoever I, I'm going to make life as hard as it can be because I'm so upset that I know what my fate, my ultimate fate is going to be. So, so he lost at the beginning of time and he lost ultimately at the cross and say, well, how come there's bad stuff going on? Well, it's like I said, it's just like his like pettiness tour for the last couple thousand years. So, now for the good part. Verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice from heaven. Now have come the salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser, so again, for the Satan of our brothers and sisters who Satans them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and to the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. So that's that whole idea. Like this is, 
10, 11, and 12 is really describing like the moment Jesus rises out of the tomb is when this is happening. Like salvation's come. The kingdom of God is starting to break in. And, you know, unfortunately, that whole last part of it, unfortunately for us, that means you got a really hurt and petty devil that's trying to just wreak havoc because he's lost. But he knows his, and he knows his time is short. So that's, that's kind of what's going on there. Um, okay. And... I'm going to keep, I keep reading here. So the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth. He pursued the woman who had given birth to the child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for time, times, and half a time out of the serpent's reach. And from the mouth, the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with a torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out, spewed out of his mouth. Dragon was enraged at the woman, the woman, and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, which is us, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. So, that's Mary, right? Though it's the same woman that it's the same woman that it's still the God's people. It's the same woman that was the woman cloud. It's a continuation of the story. That that has been one of the interpretations. But if if that is Mary. There's just a lot of other, it, it's a little bit too on the nose for, for a, a, a apocalyptic language because there's, there's a lot of other things about, you know, again, the wilderness piece. The whole spewing water, again, is like an allusion to crossing the Red Sea. Yeah. I'm Gen Z, so I don't know what on the nose means. Okay. It means like in apocalyptic literature, if it's talking about a dragon, it's not talking about a dragon. So whenever it's talking about something, it usually stands. It's like there, it, it's it's it stands for something else. So even if it said Mary, it would probably mean not Mary because it's apocalyptic language and everything is like a representation of like Babylon is going to come up here. I think next week, Babylon stands for Rome. But Babylon doesn't stand for Babylon. So it's just it's all this stuff is it's representative of a type. Um, it's the parents, not just the physical parent, but the parent of Jesus is the people of God is really that whole idea. And God is, is protecting the people of God through this conflict. Do you have a question? No, just Drew saying, I'm Gen Z. Because <laughs> <laughs> like I'm younger than you and call myself a millennial. So. No. Okay, there's a lot of different ways to like determine. I've heard a bunch of different ones. Or bridges. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. Either one of those things. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, how do we know when this was revealed to him that he was he thinking Rome and changed it so that he could share this? That's how really we, why it's. How do we know what he changed for that sake and what was revealed to him? That it way? it wasn't necessarily changed. It's just this is how it came down to him, and as you see like the descriptors, it's, it's obvious that like these things are overlaid. Like, the, like, okay, this equals that and this equals that. And so again, so, it, so they were thinking like dragon equals Satan. Because it's, so, it's that. They're like Babylon definitely equals Rome. Because all of, yeah, because all of these things are, 
all these Old Testament images that they were familiar with, they could talk about freely. The Romans had nothing, they had no idea what they were talking about, but they're like, yeah, you know, what's to them, what's like Babylon? Well, obviously Rome, like it's this decadent, you know, depraved society. So they, and you will get, as we get into that part of it, I'll, I'll tell you what I want to, I don't want to spoil it for this week. So when we get into that, I'll show you kind of, there's more specific, even the things with, actually it's coming up in 13. So put a pin in that because we're going to get to it in a second. Um, so, you've got, I don't want to, I don't know how much cross-referencing you guys want to see from the Old Testament, but the whole idea of, like, the dragon being hurled down, um, well, we can go, yeah, um, Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15, can somebody open that up, read that real quick, it's three verses. Yep, Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. Take me there, Bible. (laughs) All right. right. How have you fallen from the heaven, morning star, son of the dawn? You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned. In the, mount of a, in the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost highs of Mount Zaphion. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. So that is the story of Satan. I'm going to make this kingdom that's greater than God's kingdom. I'm going to lift. And a lot of times, there's a couple other times in the Old Testament where... Like, again, kind of Carter, going back to your thing about the Babylon-Rome thing, there'll be like a, 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 a government or a place that's like they know, but they're like talking, like, they're not really talking about this king, they're really talking about the power behind the king. They're talking about, because again, like, the whole idea of, you know, like there's one that's later on that talks about you are the greatest created being and you're above all things and he's like okay, well, that can't be that king. That's this. I mean, even though a lot of ancient kings thought of themselves that way or were treated like that, like we're talking about something bigger. And so um, so that's kind of like it gives you a little bit of more of like that's his idea of like Satan wanted to be God. I mean, that's really no, that's, that's all, it, all there is to it. Like he wanted to be God and he thought he could run everything better than God could. And God's like, I, I, that's my job. So, sorry, dude. So, I have a question. Mm-hmm. He kicked out the angel Lucifer, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because people think that Lucifer and Satan are two different people. Not, in, not according to the Bible. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Like they're the same person. But, but there, is like, there are like pagan religions that like worship okay. Lucifer and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, which is, I would not recommend. Yeah. <laughs> I would not recommend you go get involved with that kind of stuff because that's I think there's demonic I think you are worshiping demonic stuff when you're doing that stuff even though people just oh it's, I like I like the how I like the imagery or I like the runes or I like this like oh well it's, it's not great um, so okay verse I want to go back up for a second verses ten verse ten actually verse eleven. 
It says, they triumphed, triumphed over him by the, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much to shrink as to shrink from death. When you read that, and it's talking about God's people, the they is God's people. How does that challenge you? How does that inspire you? How does that intimidate you? What are your thoughts on that, that verse? They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. So they'd rather fight for a greater cause. Like, losing their life for a greater cause is okay. Well, just to say, like, yeah, they're, they're confident in where their salvation comes from. And so, I mean, this is literally happening to them. I mean, people are losing their lives, they're losing their jobs, they're losing their status, they're losing their wealth, what little wealth they had. Um, and so they just, you know, they, they weren't, they were willing to give it up because of what Jesus had done and the word that the, their testimony is so strong. But how does that challenge you? Like, do you go like, oh man, I, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm there right now, if I'm being honest. What do you guys think? I'm going to pause this.